It is indeed a new year. Amen. Wow. God is good. Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles, open them up to Luke chapter 2. Thank you, Lord. Did you guys have a good Christmas and New Year? Now listen, I hate canceling service. You've got to know that. I, I mean, it has to be so bad for me to cancel a service. Amen? Because I want to be in the house of the Lord. So just know, if it's ever canceled, it's bad. All right? I mean, I'll come here with a, a sleigh and dogs. Uh, come on, somebody. Amen? Woo! Glory to God. All right. Well, 2023 here, I believe this is going to be a year of restoration. I think it's going to be a year of healing and more revelation. For myself personally, I'm believing for more revelation. Amen? How about you? See, when we get more revelation of the Word, more revelation from the Holy Spirit, it releases more power. It releases more anointing. Amen? So Luke chapter 2, let's start at verse 6 here. It says, so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. See, when you have an angelic encounter, when angels are present, they carry the glory. That's why you feel an increase. You ever been in a room before, and you just feel the presence of God increase? As there's angelic activity going on. They're bringing the presence of the Lord with them. And the glory, glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel with a, there was a, with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace goodwill toward men we got to catch that that God only has goodwill toward us amen so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another let us now go to bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will show you something that you just got to keep in your heart and ponder until he gives you further light. Amen? Amen. But Mary kept all these things and pondered in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, and it was told to them. Now, when Mary was ready to give birth to Jesus, the Son of God, it says there was no room for them in the end. Now, this forced her to give birth to Jesus in a stable, placing him what, what the Bible calls a manger. But do you want to know what that thing really was? A feeding trough. Say feeding trough. 
There's something real prophetic about that. It's interesting that Jesus was placed in a feeding trough and that in John 6, 35, he calls himself the bread of life. And he says, whoever comes to me will never hunger and will never thirst, spiritually speaking. Many who, who uh, read this, you know, have read this, they're surprised that people would turn a woman away who was pregnant, right? She was pregnant and they turned her away. And he was, they were forced to put him in a feeding trough, in a stable. But here's the deal. Listen to this. In a sense, you could say it this way. The world hung out a no vacancy sign in their hearts. Come on, somebody. It would be very easy, easy for us to condemn those people who said, nope, there's no room here. But how many of us in our own lives, we put a no vacancy sign in our heart and in our lives for the Lord Jesus Christ? As I read this, this scripture, the Holy Spirit illuminated to me the fact that many times we do not make room for the Lord Jesus Christ in our life. We fill our schedule with things that, that only relate to the natural realm. Which, of course, we need to fulfill those things. However, when we do this, many times we neglect the giver of life. Amen? We neglect the spiritual aspect. I want to share with you, the Holy Spirit gave me five things. The Holy Spirit gave me five things that we may be filling the chambers of our heart with and keeping Christ at bay in our life. All right? Things that put a no vacancy sign upon our heart and life. Are you ready for this? All right. Now, the Word of God says that for Jesus to increase, we need to decrease, right? All right. So, number one, the first thing the Holy Spirit said is this, is busyness. Busyness. Busyness puts a no vacancy sign out upon our heart and life. We can all relate to this point because the life becomes so busy and crowded that we don't make room for Him. Amen? You know, specifically, I, what, what came to me as I was writing this is that unbelievers, unbelievers who have not made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of, of your life, you're trying to keep so busy so you don't face the reality that there is a hell for eternity. Are you hearing me, somebody? They try to keep so busy because, uh, say, distraction. The devil is a master at distraction. So here's what you need to know, unbelievers. You ignoring the fact of the reality of eternity in hell, it does not get rid of it. Amen? It's coming. Judgment day is coming. Amen? All right. So you need to know that. So you can choose to believe that the earth is flat, but it doesn't make it so. Amen? You need to believe and put your faith in the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. All right? So, Christians, in you, the devil, he just wants to keep us so distracted. He wants you to keep that no vacancy sign on your life and on your heart. Because he, he knows that God has a good plan, but it's only going to be fulfilled if you cooperate with him. Amen? So we need to start this new year by changing our priorities and using our time wisely. There's one thing that I found in the book of Acts. There, there, in the book of Acts, there's two things that the book of Acts reveals about believers. And you know, we always say we want to walk in the power of the Holy Ghost. We want to walk in the power and what's in the book of Acts. Are you ready for this? There's two things the book of Acts talks about that we all as Christians, the body of Christ, need to work on. And that's this, our commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. And unity amongst believers. Amen? 
All right. So busyness. Make priority for Jesus. Put him at the center of your life. Number two. Okay, we're going to go deeper. Say deeper. deeper. Anger and bitterness. Anger. The Holy Spirit said anger and bitterness will put a no vacancy sign quicker than anything else. He said, this is a huge problem for Christians. Have you been hurt? Have you suffered an injustice? Is it causing you to close the door of your heart? Are you padlocking it shut? Are you refusing to let anybody in and not even Jesus? Go to James chapter 1. I want to show you something here. James chapter 1. We're talking about making room for Jesus in every area of our life. Amen? James 1, 19 through 20. Let's take a look at here. A couple powerful verses that we need to really take hold of. And it says this, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Now, this is talking about the wrath of man. It's talking about fleshly anger. Say fleshly anger. Because there's two kinds of anger. There's fleshly anger and there's the righteous anger from the Holy Spirit. Amen? All right, so follow me here. So righteous anger means it's not going to cause you to sin. All right? Righteous anger. You, you, you're, this is something that the Lord's putting upon your heart that you should be angry about. Abortion, all of these things that DC is pumping out, everything that Lansing's pumping out. We should be angry about these things. Amen? Amen? But listen, swift to hear, slow to speak. This is telling us this, that we need to think about our actions and control our emotions before we act. If the Word of God is warning us to be slow to speak, guess what the temptation's always going to be? It's going to be to speak before we think. You know why? Because Here's why. The Word of God, listen to this, the Word of God is a manual for our spirit, soul, and body. It is a manual. It is a Just like you go out and you buy a tractor. You go out and you buy something. It's going to come with a manual. It's going to come with an operator's manual. Well, the Word of God is our operator's manual for our body, soul, and spirit. Amen? Listen to this. Emotions were never meant to have control over us, but for us to master them. Follow me. See, this is how demons gain a stronghold and control over your life. People let their emotions rule them, come on, in their soul, mind, will, and emotions. They, listen, they are connected and they should stay in that order. I said mind, will, and emotions. It should be in that order. Think about it. If it stays in that order, your mind, renew your mind, it's going to affect your will, it's going to affect your emotions. But here's how many Christians live. Ready? (laughs) Many Christians have the order of emotions, will, and mind. Are you following me right now? My goodness. That's uh, the, the Holy Spirit just illuminated that to me so powerfully. But it's, it's mind, will, and emotions. Amen? 
So, you know, and here's the deal with the renewing of your mind. It's not just a one time reading the word. It's not once a week. It's not just coming to church once a week. No, 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 no. This has to be something you do on a daily basis. This is something here it is to keep fresh in your thought life on a daily basis. And that's the only way it's going to affect your life. Amen. So the word of God says that God is faithful. He is trustworthy. Amen. So we need to take the lock off and open our heart to him. We need to really be vulnerable for Jesus. Amen. We, we, we can't shove these issues under the rug and expect them to go away. The root will become bigger. It will become deeper, causing more pain and disappointment in your life. Now let's take this even a step further about this. And let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. Let me show you something here. Emotions will and mind. Isn't that how some Christian, many Christians live, right? It's all about the emotions, baby. It's the emotions is the one driving them. We can't do it. We can't do it because guess what? That's going to put a no vacancy sign. That's going to keep Jesus out. Amen. We are to master our emotions. So Hebrews 12, 14, it's getting a little quiet in this Presbyterian church this morning. I don't know what's going on here. Come on, somebody. <laughs> okay, Hebrews 12, 14 through 16. Listen to this. Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. It is possible to fall short of the grace of God. Oh, my. Boy, that kind of cuts into the whole hyper-grace message, doesn't it? Come on, somebody. Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. Now, here, so this passage, let's, we got to go deeper now. This talks about a root of bitterness. Now, we say that all the time, right? We talk about bitterness. We talk about a root of bitterness. But listen to this. What is a root of bitterness? The Holy Spirit said this. A root of bitterness will grow when anger is left unchecked and not dealt with in our life. Bitterness just doesn't come out of nowhere. No, 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 no. It's anger unchecked. It's anger that grows roots and it turns into bitterness. Are you following me? Every time a fleshly anger manifests in your life, this is what the Holy Spirit said, it has the potential to turn into a root of bitterness. It has the potential to grow roots. And here's the deal. Roots have the potential to go very deep and cause a lot of havoc in your body and in your soul. It will affect your physical health even. Listen to this. A root will always manifest fruit. You ever been around someone who has a root of bitterness? They're angry all the time. It's miserable, isn't it? Right? Who wants to be around that, right? But listen to this. Listen to this. The Holy Spirit then spoke this to me. He said, when a root of bitterness is formed... This is what problem. Are you ready for this? It becomes a part of who you are as a person. That's why it's a root. It becomes part of who you are. 
think about that. Now listen to this. It entrenches itself in you. No, no, get this. No, no, no. It gets more. It gets deeper here. Are you ready for this? And then the Holy Spirit went on to say this. I blew my mind. I don't even understand all of this, but this is what what came to me, and I believe it. He said it can even affect your DNA. A root of bitterness can affect your DNA. And I said, how can that be? And the Holy Spirit said this, because it can create a generational curse to affect future generations. Are you following me, somebody? This isn't just about you being angry and upset. And Well, I don't... I, I, I. No, no, no. This can affect you and future generations. And what came to me, I don't even know, is this right, the Hatfield and McCoys? Anybody know that? There was like a generational anger toward, each, toward those two families. Why? Because it got into the DNA, became a generational curse. I'm believing for more revelation this year. Come on, somebody. Wow. It can create... Think about this. Let's just think about this. It can create a generational curse for future generations. And the Holy Spirit said, it gives demons an assignment over your life. It literally gives an assignment. No, so so one outburst of anger or anger, you're angry about something, that's not opening you up to the devil. It's when it's unchecked, the root of bitterness grows, now demons can enter. And that's why this said that you can become defiled because of this root of bitterness. Do you know, remember we talked about in a, in a couple messages back about de- being defiled? You know what that's talking about? Giving place to demons. Giving place to demons. This is, I mean, this blew my mind. It hits you, I mean, it becomes a part of the person. I don't know, I'm just camping out here. I'm about ready to get just a a seat and just sit up here and meditate on that all for the rest of the time and let you guys talk amongst yourselves. But listen, (laughs) but listen to this. It is impossible to carry anger that turns into a root of bitterness and still maintain intimacy with the Holy Spirit. It is impossible. It won't happen. There's a no vacancy sign there. Amen? When you're holding on to to negative feelings or emotions toward another person, your relationship with God is absolutely compromised the intimacy with God will begin to fade. Here's the deception of it. You know, you you can do all the right things. You can come to church. You can praise and worship. You can do all these things. But when that root of bitterness is in a person, that person walks away from God and they don't even realize it. When that root of bitterness is in there, because now, now all these things you're doing for God just turn into a dead work. Because God says this, you go and make it right with them before you come back to me. Are you following me, somebody? Leave it at the altar and then come to me. Come on, somebody. Amen. So, like I said, a root of bitterness will open you up to demonic spirits to become defiled. And by the way, this is written to Christians, not the unsaved. This scripture, this letter... 
was written to the church. And then it mentions Esau, how he sold or gave away his birthright or his blessing. Don't allow the anger and bitterness to steal your blessing. It's a bad trade. Are you following me? Esau, Esau traded his blessing, listen, for temporary fleshly pleasure. See, I, I'm, I'm about ready. I think we should all go into a fast here. Are you following me, somebody? Yeah. Did I teach? Well, you bet. You could go. Absolutely. Let's do it. <laughs> so I'm telling you right now, if you want to learn, you want, I mean, if you go into a fast, a food fast, and you will learn real quick how, the, how, how strong the flesh is. You will learn real quick. I mean... Totally, you'll be thinking about that Longhorn Steakhouse all the time. I'm telling you right now. It's unbelievable. The Texas Roadhouse, you name it. There's a free advertisement for them on the internet. All right. So listen to this. The moment you step outside of that spiritual mindset, you see, Esau took his mind off the spiritual and focused only on the flesh. He focused on the natural realm. The moment you step outside of that spiritual mindset is when deception can take hold of you. And it blurs your spiritual vision. Ephesians 4, 31, 32 says this. It says, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you. With all malice and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Now the word malice there is very interesting. Malice is this. Desire to inflict injury, harm. Or suffering on another, either because of a hostile impulse or out of a deep-seated anger, a root of bitterness, deep-seated. Look it up. That's a definition of it in the, the world has. So deal with your anger and bitterness in your life so that you can make room for Jesus. Amen? The next thing, the next thing the Holy Spirit showed me was this, pain sorrow and disappointment pain how you're handling pain sorrow and disappointment see there are some in this place and some listening to me on the internet around the world that have pain and sorrow filling your life because of shattered dreams because of shattered expectations or the death of a family member the death of a loved one uh, of a friend someone right something something rattled you Are you following me? Now, I'm not just talking about normal grief. Of course, there's a grief process when you lose someone. But I'm talking about when it really affects your purpose in life. See, depression, heaviness, and hopelessness have latched onto your life, and you can't seem to shake it off. Well, Psalm 147 verse 3 says this. It says, "He, He heals those who have a broken heart, and He heals their sorrows. I love that, don't you? See, God has a great plan and a purpose for your life. Listen to this. None of the trials, none of the losses in your life have taken God by surprise. Do you know that? Not one thing that's happened in your life has taken him by surprise. And here's what the Holy Ghost wants you to know right now. Are you ready? The quality of your life and purpose was not ever dependent upon another person. 
Your purpose, your ministry, your calling, whatever it is, it was not dependent on one person. And that's why it didn't take God by surprise. So if someone went to heaven, if something happened to you, a divorce, whatever it is, it doesn't, listen, it doesn't matter. It never hung on them anyways. Someone needs to get this because the devil has been playing games with your mind for so long. And and you've been, here's the word. Are you ready for this? Codependent. Let's talk a little bit about codependency, shall we? Codependent. Here's the deal. Listen to this. Codependency is this. An excessive emotional or psychological reliance on another person. I said excessive. I said excessive to the point where you think, oh, God's plan's done with me. He has nothing for me now. Sorry. This person, they, whatever, they, they left me. They done this and that, and they, they're out of my life now. I'm ruined. There's nothing here. No, no, that's an excessive emotional or psychological reliance on that person. Here's some of the things that a codependent person deals with. Are you ready for this? Difficulty making decisions in a relationship. Difficulty uh, uh, identifying your feelings. Difficulty communicating in a relationship. Valuing, listen to this, valuing the approval of others more than valuing yourself. That's why you hung your whole purpose on that one uh, person. That's excessive. Are you following me, somebody? Lacking trust in yourself and having poor self-esteem. Hello, somebody. Having fears, here it is, having fears of abandonment or an obsessive need for approval. I'm talking about codependency. Unhealthy dependence on relationships, even at your own cost. Listen to this. Having an exaggerated sense of responsibility for the actions of others. Break it right now in the name of Jesus. I, I, I ministered to one guy before. He, he, he grew this really unhealthy codependency on, on his wife, she eventually left him, but he had a very, very strong codependency. The dude couldn't do anything. He couldn't do anything without her, her approval or doing that. He would go in the grocery store and he said it would be like a confusion came upon me. Like if he went in alone, like I don't even know what to do by myself. Where do I go? Where do I... That's demonic. Are you following me, somebody? Codependency is one of the worst bondages a person can have. Amen. Amen. And so you got to settle it in your heart right now. You got to settle it in your heart right now. You have an audience of one, and that is God. You are responsible for Him, or you're responsible for yourself. Amen. But it's between you and God. And if you feel there is that unhealthy codependency, that, that listen, that excessive emotional control or psychological uh, reliance on a person, maybe you should start going out and do some things by yourself. Exactly. Are you hearing me? Son? No, this is practical stuff here, people. 
You, you listen, uh, well, you know, one, a wife might say, oh, no, I don't want him to do that. I don't want him to do that. Well, guess what? That codependency is going to eventually drive a divorce anyways. Are you hearing me, somebody? This is practical stuff. You, this is what you, you need to find yourself. So, ma- so many people are so wrapped up in another person, they don't even know who they are. Amen. They don't even know themselves. Because oh, their whole purpose was wrapped up in this relationship. That's why when the relationship starts to unwind, they don't even know who they are. And this is a huge bondage. I mean, not just in the body of Christ, but in general. But especially in the body of Christ, we should not be at that level. Amen? All right? So, you'll still love me? (laughs) Okay, here we go. So, it's time for you to move forward with your life and come out of that pit of emotional bondage. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. I don't know about you, but I don't see anything in there that says, that's dependent on your spouse. That's dependent upon your girlfriend or boyfriend. Are you following me, somebody? No, no, no. It doesn't matter. Whatever comes your way, hell or high water, someone wants to walk out of your life, let them go. And your purpose moves on in Christ. Are you following me? Hallelujah. Now, here's the next thing. Here we go. Doubt and unbelief. That will put a no vacancy sign up. Go to Psalm 118. Psalm 118. Didn't know you had a psychological appointment today, huh? Right? <laughs> Overdue. <laughs> yeah. It's good though. We gotta be we gotta know these things. Amen. We gotta be reminded. Just who are you? Find out who you are, who God you know, who God created you as a person to be. I mean, it's okay to have a close relationship. Me and Marianne, we have a very close marriage and relationship, but guess what? We're two separate people too. I know who I am in Christ. She knows who she is. Amen? And when it comes together, it's explosive. But that's the point. There's two separate coming together with the anointing. Amen? Psalm 118.8. Look at this. It says this. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Oh, I like that. See, we live in a world that is constantly pushing humanism. It's all about what can we do? What can we do? What can I do? Right? But here's the thing. God is saying, no, put your trust and faith in me. Doubting the promises and the faithfulness of God will grieve him and push him out of your life. And faith, trust, hope in God pleases him. Amen? So we need to push that doubt and unbelief out of our life. We need to have that childlike faith. Amen? And that means to obey. Here, here's what it means. It means to obey the word of God even when it makes no sense to your natural mind or fleshly desires. It's total obedience. Amen. It's a brokenness. See, there's a bad brokenness and there's a good brokenness. The good brokenness means I'm going to obey the Lord. No matter what my flesh says, no matter what the world is telling me, no matter what Washington, D.C. is telling me or Lansing, I'm going to obey the Lord. Amen. Next one. Here we go as we move on. Selfishness, greed, and self-pity. 
Selfishness, greed, and self-pity, the Holy Ghost said. See, some people are so consumed and filled with themselves and their own agenda that there's absolutely no room for Jesus in their life. So stop being focused and consumed with yourself and with greed. You need to understand that you came into this world with nothing. You're going to leave with nothing. You know that, right? Look at 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Now, I'm not a poverty preacher. I'm not preaching that. But let's put our priorities where they belong and let God provide for our needs and increase. Amen? That's what they, See, don't be chasing all these worldly things. Here, let me show you something here. 1 Timothy chapter uh, 6, verses 6 through 10, I want to take a look at here. It says, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. Is that not totally opposite of what the world system says? Is that not just, I mean, that's unbelievable right there, right? I mean, your flesh goes, wait a minute, what? But your spirit's like, that's right, James. Come on, somebody, amen? For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those, here's, here's what he's contrasting here. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts or desires which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness, and look at this, this is interesting, and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. That's okay to make a living. It's okay to be, have an excellent, if you have a business, sure, you want to do well. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. This is talking about your mindset. What is your focus? What are you chasing after? And it better be God, because if it's not, it's going to, mm, it says there's going to be many sorrows that follow. Amen. So it says, godliness with contentment is great gain. That is a kingdom of God mindset right there. Having the basics in this life, having all the necessities, the food, clothing, you know, roof over your head. I mean, this is a good thing. Amen? But greed will make you say, that's not good enough. I got to have more. I got to have more. See, here's the deal. Contentment is defined as this, a state of satisfaction. A state of sin. In other words, stay focused on your true purpose for being on this earth. Stop putting more. This is what this is saying. You ready for this? Stop putting more value on the natural realm than the spirit realm. That's what it's saying. The only thing you should not be content with on this earth, are you ready for this, is your relationship with the Lord. You should always desire to press in for more in your relationship with the Lord. Amen? So this warning is talking about riches and stuff in the natural realm. So don't chase riches. I'm telling you, it will bring destruction into your life. It will eventually catch up to you and bite you in the back side. Okay. So don't chase riches. It will cause you to stray from the Word of God. The Word of God is very clear. Uh, remember, where the Word of God warns us about something, that's where the enemy's going to try to tempt us. 
to go in that direction. So really, when there's a commandment in the word, when there's, there's, uh, it's telling us to do something, it's telling us, be alert, I'm giving you the devil's playbook. Are you following me? Every command is God giving us the devil's playbook. You know that. I, that's how I want you to start looking at these. When there's an admonition in the word or a commandment, say, thank you, Lord, for showing me what the enemy's trying to do to steal, kill, and destroy my life. It will cause you, greed will cause you to not walk in love. Greed will cause you what the word warns about, having partiality. See? God doesn't care about your person. He doesn't care how much money you have in the bank account. He doesn't care if you're the most well-known person in Tuscola County. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. See, that's why God takes pleasure in taking someone who's, who's not really known, you know, was kind of a mess up back in the day, you know, he was a real good sinner. And then all of a sudden God says, yep, that's the one. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Saul, that guy was killing Christians. Yeah, yeah, that's the one I want right here. So here, Holy Ghost, go anoint him. Because it makes the religious people nuts. I love it. It drives them crazy. So if you will keep that truth in the forefront of your thought life, it will save you from a lot of pain. It will save you from a lot of heartache and negative consequences in your life. I'm on the last page, so bear with me here. We're making great time, so you shouldn't be complaining. Uh, here, so here's the deal. Be consumed with God and His Word so that you can make room for Jesus. There's something about desire that attracts the Holy Spirit. Desire is hope on fire. Remember I talked about that? Desire is hope on fire. Desire is, is, is a little bit hotter than hope. It's, it's, you know, because you got to have hope for it to be turned into faith. Hebrews 11, one talks about that. So, so what you're doing is with that desire, it turns that hope and it's going closer and closer. Oh, there's desire. It's hotter, hotter, hotter. Now we turned it into faith. Meditate that upon that yourself. I know I don't have time to go into it right now, but in future messages, I will. But he is desiring a place in your heart and life that is only reserved for him. Amen. So allow your fleshly self to decrease so that Jesus can increase. And guess what? It's all proportional. Both can increase. You and Jesus both can increase. It's proportional. If you're increasing, Jesus is decreasing. If you're decreasing, this is how it is right here. That's how it is right here. It's all proportional. Both can't go at the same time. Amen. You both can increase. You both, or you must decrease so that you can make room for Jesus in your life. And finally, I want to end on this passage, Revelation 3.20. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. I want you to notice something. This is written to believers. Specifically, you want to know the context? Lukewarm believers. Let him in. Amen. Let him into every area of your life. All right. Lukewarm Christians have allowed too much of the world into their life and they kick Jesus out. All right. A lukewarm Christian. What's what's the problem with lukewarm? A lukewarm Christian blends in with the world more than standing out for Jesus. They're a chameleon Christian. Oh, I'm at church. Oh, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. They're on the job. Nah, F this, F that. 
Are you following me, somebody? Let's just get real. Let's break it down. Pastor James is real here. Amen. I've been in the world. You think I've always been a pastor? (laughs) Listen, nothing's... I mean... Come on. (laughs) So, I mean, come on. You know, the world is... uh, It stinks. And you better be... You better be filled with the Word. You better keep filled with the Holy Spirit. Or else you're going to blend in with them. Because you're going to crumble. Because you're going to feel the need to be cool. You're going to feel the need to blend in because you don't want to stand out because now you just called yourself out and they're going to say, oh, you're a Christian, huh? Why'd you tell me? The word of God says by this point, you need to be teachers of the word. See, there comes a point in your Christian walk that God says you should know it good enough that you should be able to pass it on to others. Think about that. Amen. It's just like me. I'm, I'm a flight instructor, right? When someone first learns how to fly, getting their private pilot, they're trying to learn it for themselves just to fly themselves. You try getting in with a new private pilot and have them instruct you, they're not going to do it. Why? Because the basics of uh, flying all that, they're trying to comprehend it themselves. They can't pass it on to someone else. But, you know, down the road, you know, you get 500 hours of flight time and all that. Now it's just kind of second nature, and, and you're flying along, and you're explaining everything. Finally, you're good enough flight instructor. You're kind of hands-off, and you're letting them make mistakes. They're going down the runway on takeoff like this, and you're laughing, and they're sweating, you know. But there needs to be a point in our Christian walk, and, and I want everyone to evaluate yourself. Evaluate yourself. How long have I been a Christian? Am I able to pass on the basic truths to someone if they ask me? At my workplace, when I'm out and about. See, a lot of Christians, they blend in, they become lukewarm because they're afraid of that. Of someone asking them questions and they're not going to know. But, you know, it's okay to say, if they ask you a question that you don't know, just say, I don't know. Guess what? You ask me a question that I'm not going to know, I'm not going to blow smoke. I'm going to tell you, I don't know. Let me look that up. Let me study it. You know what I'm saying? So... So, again, it's interesting to me that when Jesus was born, that he was put in a manger or a feeding trough. And the Word of God refers to him as the bread of life. See, Jesus is ready to feed all those who receive him as Lord. For all those who want to be disciples, disciplined ones, learners of him. Amen? So it's time to take the no vacancy sign off of your heart. Open the door of every part of your heart and allow him to influence every area. Amen. Let's start this new year off right, right now. Let every heart prepare him room and let's make room for Jesus. Let's stand up in this place. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, maybe there's someone in this place you've never made Jesus Lord of your life. You're Maybe the one I was talking about there that you're, you're pushing it off. You're pushing it off. You're hearing people talk about eternity, but you're pushing it off. But you're pushing it off is not going to do. It doesn't make a difference because guess what? Each and every day we're getting closer, closer to our appointment with God and death. Think about that. Every day we're getting closer to heaven if you're a Christian. Every day if you're an unbeliever, you're getting closer to hell in the lake of fire. If you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, 
You need to do it today. Don't leave this place. Boy, it'd be a shame if you felt the tug of the Holy Ghost to come down here to pray with me to make Jesus Lord of your life and you left this place and got in a car accident and it's over. Game over. You take your last breath on this earth, game over. It's done. Your eternity is sealed. If you want to make Jesus Lord of your life, meet me in front here after service. Now, maybe there's some in here you need to rededicate your life to the Lord. Maybe some of these things I talked about today, the anger, bitterness, the root of bitterness, it's become a part of who you are. Maybe you notice mom and dad and and grandma and grandpa, you're seeing a pattern of that anger and bitterness. Maybe you need to come down and pray. Let's rededicate. Let's get rid of some of these things. Amen. Um, if you've never received the Holy Spirit baptism with uh, speaking in tongues, come forward. I want to pray with you. Let's do it. It's not. This is not something that many people disqualify themselves. They disqualify themselves, and it's so easy. It's everything in the Christian life is by faith. Amen. So if you want the Holy Spirit baptism, come forward. Maybe you need a healing, physical healing, emotional healing. Pray for someone. I'm going to be here as long as you need, but. Um, everyone, visitors, thank you so much for coming today. I hope you enjoyed the word. Let it soak in, everybody, um, and, and make room for Jesus. Let's really start this new year off right. We're going to press in like never before. More revelation. I know it's going to be coming from this pulpit. Um, deliverance ministry, we're going to jump in deeper than ever before. Healing ministry, we're going deeper than ever before. We're going to start doing some things. We're going to start adding some things, some Bible studies and, and all this. So we're, we're, we're going to open the floodgates and let the Holy Spirit do what he wants to do. Amen? So, Father, I pray for every person right now. I pray you'd encamp them with your holy angels. Deliver them from all evil. And, Lord, I pray the word that was preached today, that it would soak in their spirit. Holy Spirit, that you would illuminate the parts of their life that they need to make room for you. And I pray you would bless them. Let Holy Ghost fire be upon and within them. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Everyone have a great week. Tuesday prayer call. Wednesday prayer here. Friday morning prayer, then another fired up revival experience. Have a good one, everyone. Love you all.